This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave. Manly, I emphasize, in the piney woods of North Central Florida, which is God's country, as you know. A little drizzly rain outside. We welcome that. We're not getting inundated as South Florida did. Uh, we just dodged that little bullet. And no, I did not do the naked rain dance down there. Or that may account for why it's heavy. Maybe I sort of suggested doing it here and they heard it down there. Whatever. Whatever. We're in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida fighting Gator. The Gator better fight tomorrow night. And we're also protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. Randy Elrat and John Pastore, and sponsored by all the great sponsors you see scrolling by your screen that we appreciate. If they help us, you help them. On the spot cleaner, style cuts, R&R construction, you name it. They stay with us to help bring you this forum that will serve as a classroom. Remember, I was a professor, so I set this up as a classroom. You are my students, as you know, and uh, I bring you the best guests I can bring you because I learned that early on. The individual teacher doesn't know it all, but the individual teacher knows where to find people who can help that teacher. And today we've got a great moment for you, a very unusual show that I've been thinking about wanting to do for a long time, but my friend Jamie Bevan wasn't here. I used to see her in uh, China. And I wondered, is she ever coming home? And because I thought when she came home, she'd be very interesting to talk to us about China. Because China is on the newscast every day. And Jamie has actually been there on an exchange program for four years as a teacher, all through COVID, by the way. So you get a double whammo of information here today. And if you have a question, uh, put it in the chat line and we'll pass it along. Uh, Jamie has been uh, an energizer bunny, as far as I can tell. She's always happy-go-lucky. She's got a lot of enthusiasm for life, and she obviously brings it through her experiences. I don't know a thing about how she got there. I don't know where she came from. All I know is I had my eye on her. I first met her years ago on the radio when we interviewed her. She was running for a public office. So, Jamie, welcome back to the States to begin with. You're actually in Ocala, as I understand it. You're still teaching. Uh, what grade are you teaching in Ocala now? Hi, Ward. I am so happy to finally be home. I'm excited. I am te- currently teaching fourth grade at Ward Highlands Elementary School, back where I began 20 years ago. So I'm back with my team. I'm back at my school. It's been absolutely amazing. And I'm very happy to be back in the States. Well, the story I want to pick up on is how did you come to leave them? 
Well, this is a, it's actually kind of a funny story. So my husband, my husband, Jerry just retired or he retired from law enforcement here in Marion County for the um, Marion County Sheriff's office. And he was a detective over the major crimes unit. And we were, we decided let's do something else. Right. So we moved to Jacksonville. He retired. We were moved. We moved to Jacksonville and we're sitting downtown having pizza. And both of our children are grown and, you know, have moved away. We're eating pizza. And I looked at him. We're both kind of bored, not real happy in Jacksonville. And I said, you know what I could do? I can apply online to teach abroad. And he's looking at me. He goes, let's do it. So I went online. I went to a service called Teach Away. It's, um, it's a service for teachers. It's kind of like Indeed for teachers. You build your profile and then all the international schools will, you can apply to their websites or to their schools, or they will reach out to you. And as soon as I put my credentials up there, I, backing it up a little bit, this is my 26 year teaching. So I put my credentials up there and I'm a native English speaker and I teach language. So my inbox started just dinging and it was crazy how many different schools wanted to talk to me. So then the interview process begins and we had to narrow it down between all the different countries. So Mr. Bevan, my husband has already served in the military and he's already been to the Middle East. He said, we're scratching that off right now. We're not, <laughs> we're not going to the Middle East. So we scratched all of those off. And because um, I'm like, Egypt, that would be so cool. Cairo, Egypt, right? He said, eh, I'm not taking you to the Middle East because as Ward said, I might, I might be a little opinionated. So the Middle East was not for me. So then there was South Korea and there's Japan and China. That's what we decided on. So I started interviewing and I'm, it must have been six, three, four weeks of interviews. And remember, they're on the other side of the world. So my interviews would start at 6 p.m. and went in until midnight. And then I would have to go back to work again the next day at seven. So that's how that happened. And finally, I decided on this one school, um, which their acronym is BIBA, and I got along with the HR director, and they had the best package that was being offered to me. And I took the job, and they sent me the contract. And then it took about six months to get all of the documents in order, the visas, the you name it, all of the documentation to move to China was stacks stacks of documentation that we would have to send to them and they would have to send back to us and i would have to yeah so it took about six months before we could actually board the plane <laughs> well where was the school the school is in beijing it's actually on the outskirts of beijing in the capital so there's a little uh district called shunyi and it's in that district but it may be 30 minutes away from um the capital you know, the capital city part, because Beijing is huge. So we lived in the district of Shunyi. And it's it's a very small district. And it is um, very wealthy, if I can say that. That's where all the international schools are built. They're all in this little district. Interesting. What's housing like there? So we were really scared, actually. At first, I saw the housing situation, and I was scared. I thought it was going to be like New York, where it's like a little shoebox. When we walked into our first apartment, uh, HR, the part of the package is that the school pays for your um, your room and board. They pay for your apartment. We did nothing. They found it for us. They, they had us all set up. It's a fully furnished apartment, everything you need. 
we walk in and it's a little two bedroom apartment. And with a big window, it was lovely. It was, it was small, but it was on the 10th floor. And the kitchen is always, the kitchens are always separate from the apartment itself with a big door just in case because they cook over um, flames. They cook over, you know, um, gas. So you can shut the door and get out if you need to. So the kitchens are always a little bit separate and it's a long kitchen. It's not like a big kitchen like I'm sitting in right now, my big kitchen, but it's just a long strip. Only maybe one, maybe two people can fit in there. There's no stove. I mean, there's no oven. There's no ovens in China. And the and the refrigerators are just enough for you to fit um, your maybe two days worth of food. That's it. So it's really so they don't have have, uh, supermarkets. How's that work? They do have supermarkets, but that's they don't have anything like Walmart. If you need something like if you want to go to buy shoes, you go buy shoes at the shoe store. The supermarkets have fresh foods and vegetables. And here's I I think I I think I talked to you once about this ward. When you go into the, the supermarket. So. Jamie over here can't, I can't smell meat. I can't do that. So they have very fresh meat if you get my drift. So when you go into the meat department, there's a, there's just tanks full of fish and frogs and turtles. And, you know, I I just got there and I'm like, oh, look, there's fish, there's frogs. I'm going to go look at the frogs. And Jerry goes, you may not want to do that. This is all food. This is in the meat section. And you pick one out and they take care of it for you right there in front of you and stick it in a bag or you take a live fish home. So you have a live fish in a bag in your, in your grocery cart and it's just flopping around. It's just flopping. And I'm like this. So I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking. Right. And I said, I start gagging and then I can smell the meat and I, you can hear the guy back there. He's just chopping up the meat. And I'm like, Ugh. I start, I start gagging and Jerry goes, go, go, go. So I run to like where the, um, where all the oils and the, and the, um, and the soy sauce and everything. Cause, but all those supermarkets are like that. Yeah. You can just get anything you want. The chicken is just laying out. It's not in a package. The chicken, like, you know, just the whole chicken with its head on it, it's dead, but it's just laying out. You just pick one out and yeah, it's, or you pick it up by yourself and you stick it in a bag. It's so, Yeah. I well, I'm assuming you, you walk to and fro, right? To and yeah, fro. We, we walked everywhere. You walk everywhere or you have a bicycle, which we, we got used to riding bicycles. Or we have something called Didi. It's like Uber, but it's Didi. It's the exact same thing. And you have an app on your phone and you just put everything in. But here's the thing. I just took an Uber downtown last weekend, $30. It cost me $5. To maybe three to five dollars to get from Shunyi all the way into Beijing. So it's super, super cheap, maybe a dollar a ride. And it's in a night. And if you want a nice car, two or three dollars. So you can choose what type of car you want. And they also have taxis too, but nobody takes taxis because why not just take a DD? Well, I've already got some comments. Hey, what a culture shock, right? Oh my gosh. It the first time we went to the grocery store. We had our little buggy. They don't call them buggies. They call them trolleys, right? Trolleys. So I'm, I've got my little buggy because I'm from the South. So I got my little buggy, Jerry and I, oh, and they have speakers just yelling from you. Like they have megaphones yelling from the fruit and it's saying something in Chinese and it's just screaming at you. And we're like, so we walked in 
And we walked back out. <laughs> we were so scared. We didn't know what to do. And all these different fruits, durian, all these di- I've never seen nor smelled before in my life. It was, uh, yeah, like big, giant, weird fruits and stuff. I didn't know what it was. So we just walked right back out and we just sat like in our little apartment, like, oh God, we're never going to get to get groceries. We were scared. <laughs> but you know, you said something a moment ago. I thought you said there are no Walmart type stores there in no. China. There's no department. All the, stuff, all the stuff they're making is here. You know what else I think they're doing? We couldn't find chicken breast. They use all the other parts of the chicken and the chicken breasts are gone. We think they're shipping them over here. Steak, they have tons of cows, but nobody sells steak. You can't eat beef. There's no beef. And if you do, it's like only for Chinese New Year or some special occasion. Where's it going? I think they're shipping it over. I think they're shipping it to other countries and gaining the profits, but we didn't get to eat like chicken breast or beef or anything like that. It was pork and fish or, and just noodles. Yeah. So we thought that was so weird. They'll eat chicken feet though. Chicken feet, duck, duck tongues. They eat that too. So there you are on the 10th floor. Yes. The accommodations you walk to the store. Yes. uh, Living dead fresh. Yes. You come home, you don't have an oven. Right. There's no ovens ever. What's that all all about? I don't know. I I honestly, because it's so small in there. Yeah, there's no ovens. There's no bathtubs. No ovens, no bathtubs at all. Because it's the the apartments are, and I guess they just, that's not, oh, and there's no dryers. So you have to dry everything on a rack inside one of your little rooms. So, yeah. So we, everybody has a little toaster oven. So you can buy a little toaster oven and that's where you bake everything. You want to bake cookies, you use your toaster oven. So you can bake like four cookies at a time, you know? Um, Yeah, that's it. We're talking with Jamie Bevan, just about arriving. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. Arriving in Beijing, China on the exchange teaching program and we got some questions here about, of course, education, but I'm assuming how far was the school from where you lived? Oh, we could walk there. We could walk to our school from where usually our apartments, uh, because HR picks it out for us and they're really nice apartments. We didn't live in like downtown. We saw some of those apartments that, yeah, those were, those were not nice. Our apartments, because of the area that we lived in, we, they were really nice. So we could just walk. It took us 10 minutes to walk from our apartment down to our school. Well, yeah. when the school, is it a public school or average? Well, how's that work? Average kids or what's that all about? So public school in China, I worked at an international private bilingual school. So that is a very, that's a private school. So we had... CEOs of companies send their kids to us. Race car drivers send to us. We, there were um, different movie stars that sent their kids to us. So that's the type of school I was at. People were picking up their their children in pink Bentleys and pink Land Rovers and Tiffany blue um, Porsches. So that's the kind of clientele that we had. So I, but I did ask about the public school system and the public school system. It's free, just like we have. I had 20 students in my class. Public school, they have 60, 60 students in their class for a fourth grade classroom. 
Also, they never leave the classroom. They have to wear uniforms and they never leave the classroom. So like my students went to art and then they went to music and then they went to um, STEAM, which is a, a science lab, right? So my students went all over the campus. Public school kids, they sit. They get to get up and go outside. I think they go home for lunch sometimes for an hour. Then they have to come back. Our school hours are from 740 to 4. So we have a really long school day. Right now, my students leave at 2. So they have a very long school day. Um, also, the students, they, like I said, they have to go home for lunch or they bring their lunch. There's no public, there's no, lunch is not provided for public school students. And did you know public school ends at eighth grade? It ends oh, really? at eighth grade. Yes, because then they're tracked to go somewhere. So you take a test and then you get tracked. If you're one of the top, top, top 5% of the kids, in the entire country of China, you get to go to university for free. So that's your that's your free public health care. I mean, we'll get to that. That's free public um, education. If you don't make the grade, then you get tracked into one. Of, you might get to go to high school. They, they don't call it high school, but like 10th through 12th grade, which means that you might get tracked into um, retail or something like that. Um if you don't make the grade, well, and then you have vocational. So you might be really good at mechanics. So you're going to be in the vocational program. So they will start moving you into the different tracks by eighth to 10th grade. There's a huge test in 10th grade that the students have to take. And bam, that tells them if they get to eighth grade, that tells them where they're going to go. Unless, of course, you have a lot of money. And then you can send your children to university. Well, if they went off on the track, could they ever test back into the academic? No. Never. No. 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 Not that I know of. Now, so by, if, the eighth grade, by the eighth grade, they better be motivated. By eighth to ten, and that's why education is number one on Chinese parents' list. They want their kids to be the top student in the class at all times. And the pressure on these kids is unfathomable. Fathomable. Oh my God, it is the pressure just on my fourth grade kids. It was on. They had to be the top of their class. And the, the parents would always ask me, did my students score the best? And I'm like, I can't tell you that. I'm like, I'm, I, that's not, I, I can't tell you. Because they, they take a test and they're like, where did my students score? Were they the top three? And I was like, I, I can't tell you that. But I guess that's, but in their culture, that's important because of what's going to happen to them, you know? So there's a lot of pressure on these kids and there is zero, zero, not one minute of downtime for these kids. Not one. These kids love to come to school because at our school, they got three recesses and just got to play. They got to play and be kids three times and each 20, there were only 20 minutes at a time, Right. And, but they loved it. They're like, we don't want to go home, Miss Bevan. We want to stay here. And I said, well, you've got dance this afternoon. And they're like, I don't want to go to dance because their parents tell them what they do. So every day they have something after school, every day until about nine o'clock at night, until about 9 p.m. Then they come home and then they do their homework for three hours. A couple of questions already here. Um, of course, in our school, public school, mm -hmm. we have. The race issue. Do you have anything like that in the China Chinese school? 
Oh, you mean like like race as in color of people? Yeah. Oh, no, because there's only Chinese people. Only Chinese. Yes, I only taught Chinese people. However, some of the teacher teachers' um, children would be in my class. So I had a few internet. I had a few foreign students in my class. Um, I, I mean, this is kind of a touchy subject, and I'm not speaking for all Chinese people. I'm not, but this is this is the way that and and I know we feel this way too. But they feel that they're the superior race. Okay, and I'm being honest. They feel like they're the superior race. So. I'm going to be careful what I say. Especially the older generation of Chinese, you do not mix. You do not mix your blood with any other culture ever because then it dilutes your Chinese blood. Does that make sense? Yeah. So all of my students had black hair and brown eyes. That was it. Now, if your skin was darker, only for the females, the girls, you ready for this? The girls wanted to be perfectly white. They wanted porcelain skin. So I would go try to buy lotion and it says whitening on it. And I'm like, how's whitening? Like, what is this? Kind of found out it's got a little bit of like bleach or something in it to make your skin whiter because the darker you are, that means you work outside. And, ah. and the empresses were always inside. So they always had perfectly white skin you know what a little porcelain doll looks like right right right, right. oh yeah so they want to they want to look like a porcelain doll they do not want their skin dark at all so you will see women covered up it's a hundred degrees outside they've got jackets on they've covered their hands they've covered their faces they wear these jackets because they they have umbrellas they do not want their skin to get dark so I was teaching my kids, I said, in Florida, if you have white skin, that means you're sick because <laughs> we're, I'm from the South. So we want to be kind of tan and, you know, but yeah, the whiter you are, the more wealthy you are because you don't work outside. That is true. Of the public school as well. I, yeah. I've never met, I've only met a few public school kids, but yeah, but my kids for sure. But yeah, the whiter your skin is, the more wealthy, the more money you have because you work indoors. Because the lower class you are, you are the farmers. You work outside. Well, another question I have here for you. You mentioned it before we went on the air, how much the kids respect the teachers. Oh, yeah. Oh. Can you talk about that for a moment? Absolutely. So in China, when you are a teacher, especially if you're a foreign teacher, you are up there. You are equal to a doctor. You are equal to that. So that is the class that you're in. There is a class system. You know, you have, and the different classes are how much money you make and what your job is, what your occupation is. So when you're a teacher and they found they find out that you're a teacher, you're super respected. Everybody's very, very nice to you. Um, the, the students, now I do have to say this, for any teachers listening out there, kids are kids. Kids are kids. When someone farts, it's funny. Are they going to try to play with stuff under their desk? Absolutely. Are they going to try to get away with stuff? Sure. But, you know, they're, they're kids. But do they talk back? Do they, um, do they tell you blah, blah? No. Oh, no, 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 no. And if you tell the parent that a child has disrespected you, if the teacher calls the, the parent and says your child was disrespectful, oh, my goodness, that parent becomes very angry with the child. Yeah. 
And so basically, mo- I, in my four years, the parents always trusted me first. They don't, they don't believe their kid. Whatever I say, they believe that. But they also want their child to be the first, you know, the top of the class, which I get. I understand that. I mean, we all want that, but it's really pressure on. Do they, have, that, any, do they have any emphasis like we do on sports in their? Oh, <laughs> yes. However, um, it's every sport. So soccer, well, football, you know, football is like one of the number one sports, but every, they want to be the top in every sport. So I had one little girl that was in my class last year and she was, um, she went internationally in golf. She won the championship. And I asked her because she would be gone and mom would say, hey, you know, she's going to be gone for the next week. We're going to, I don't know, they went to Taiwan and they went to Hong Kong and somewhere else. She's in the she's in the golf tournament. And I said, well, that's fun. So I talked to her and I said, you're in the golf tournament. That's amazing. You're the you're going to be the champion. She goes, yeah. And I said, what are you talking about? She goes, my coach is so mean. He's just so mean. Like she, uh, everything had to be her, and she's the cutest little thing. Oh my god! But her coach wanted her to be perfect, so every day was golf. She lived every day golf, tennis. So every day the kids do something. It could be karate. It could be taekwondo. It could be um, any sport you can think of. Yeah, sports are huge. So I'm at Jamie Benman here, and it's really fascinating. We've just scratched the surface. We haven't really almost gotten out of housing yet. And uh, we were down the street to the supermarket, and uh, already some real obvious cultural differences. Um, um, let me ask you this question. I'm getting these things coming in. Um, right now, Z Ping is the way we say it, right? The X's yeah. are pronounced Z's. There's a big deal that. Biden went to Z Ping and said, stop making fentanyl and sending it here. Do you think that's going on in China? Well, I can tell you what would happen if you got caught with drugs in China. Holy cow. So here's the thing. They told us, but I don't know if they're making it. I never saw drugs in China at all. I never saw anyone on drugs. Now, alcohol is a big thing for uh, men. Women don't usually drink alcohol because it's um, it's low class. So women don't usually drink. They may have a glass of wine, but that's it. But the men, they drink baiju, which is kind of like a like like moonshine, kind of like moonshine, but it's really strong. I never saw drugs. They told us before we got there, if we had any, there was a chance. Because when you get onto Chinese soil, you're there as a visitor, right? So they could have taken follicle. They could have taken my hair and tested to see if I had anything in my system. Because I, I landed in, on their soil. If I tested positive for any type of drug, I get back on the plane and I get sent back here. So are they making fentanyl? I don't know. I never saw it. I never saw anybody drugged out. If you get even caught with marijuana, you go straight to jail. And if you're lucky, you'll get deported. Drugs are not where I was in Beijing. Not even a thing. Now, if it's out there, I didn't see it, to be honest with you. A lot of alcohol drinking, um, cigarette smoking, but people were terrified. I I can tell you as foreigners, we were terrified. You don't smoke pot. You don't take drugs. You don't do any of that unless you have prescription for it because 
the Chinese government, where we were, takes that very seriously. Now, if they're producing it and giving it to other people, remember, they want to keep their people pure. So I don't know, to be honest with you. Yeah. What about crime then? Is it pretty clean there? Oh, my gosh. To be honest with you, there's there's two different factions here, though. There's two different. Um, I, I can speak on two different things. And one is not pleasant and the other one is amazing. So as everybody knows, there's no guns in China. The police officers don't even carry guns. The only people that are allowed to carry a weapon. And remember, I'm a sheriff, I, I'm a detective's wife. I'm a cop's wife. So we have many, many guns here. The police officers don't even carry guns. The only people allowed to have a gun would be the military. And you do see the military walking downtown uh, around Tiananmen Square and around that area. And they're strapped. And they've got, um, I, I don't know, Jerry will have to tell you what the type of gun. But it was a machine, you know, one of those big guns, a military gun. However, so I could walk downtown anytime, day or night, and never feel like anybody's going to mess with me. I could walk, I could go to the grocery store at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. No one would ever talk, mess with me or try to steal. Stealing is um, low class. Stealing is very low class and shameful. So you don't steal from people because the government gives you everything. So there's no reason to steal. So in their culture, stealing is like a, a complete sin. We would think it's a sin, right? However, on the other side of the coin, Remember what I told you about how strict the parents are. So I have seen videos. I haven't witnessed this personally. I've seen a few things where men will pretty much beat their wives. They do. They beat their wives. Not all of them, but some, if they think that their wife isn't doing what they're supposed to, if the wife speaks out of turn to them, they will beat their wives. Um, I've seen kids being abused. We've, we've seen kids being abused on the side of the road. Um, and the police do nothing because that is not a crime. That is a family issue. That is a family issue. Now, if you cross the line and if you kill someone or if you break an arm or if you maim them somehow, then that becomes the crime. But if you just punch your wife in the face, if you are disciplining your child, that is a family issue. The police do not get involved at all. Because I had a few things, you know, I didn't know when I get there, I know what I do here in America. So I had to report a couple of things to the principal and the principal contacted the parents and that, you know, and then the principal got back to me and said, listen, I understand your concerns, but you know, this is a family issue and the family will handle it. So yeah, that was different. Interesting. Tom and Jamie Bevel are 930 in the morning here. We're going to take a break and come back with awards weather. Checking the chat uh, line here if you have any questions or anything. I've got some more things to feed your way, too, Jamie. So okay. we'll be right back in just a moment on the Ward Scott file. Stay tuned. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. 
The Kiera Grace Foundation proudly presents An Evening with Tim Tebow, Thursday, November 30th at the Touchdown Terrace at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Experience a once-in-a-lifetime VIP meet-and-greet with Tim. Hear his heartfelt stories and his unyielding dedication to the most vulnerable. With your support, we can extend the reach of the Kiera Grace Foundation to save precious lives in Latin America. Get your ticket before they sell out. Don't miss your chance to meet Tim Tebow, be inspired, and make a tangible difference. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to the Ward Scott Files with Ward's Weather. Brought to you by Lewis Oil Chevron Stations. Fossil fuel. Nothing wrong with that. Listen, rain, rain, rain in South Florida. That's what I just want to quickly bring you up to date on. From late Tuesday to early Thursday, according to AccuWeather here, Fort Lauderdale Executive Airport was inundated by 12.47 inches of rain with 10.26 inches of rain pouring down in Hollywood and 7 to 10 in the Miami area. So one good thing about it, the Everglades get filled up. You know, people talk about water, but Florida has got a water aquifer like you wouldn't believe. The well at uh, the uh, Piney State here is 225 feet deep, right down to the Floridian aquifer. And we're very blessed in Florida. If you fly over Florida sometime in a small plane, you really come to think of Florida as water with islands. There is water isolated everywhere. And it'll be a lake and a lake and a lake and a lake. And you wonder, my golly, I thought we were land uh, with water, but we're really water with land, if you get my difference here, Jamie. So uh, South Florida rainfall was the story for today. Got a question to lead off right away with Jamie. Jamie Bevan, who uh, 
spent four years as an exchange teacher, fourth grade in China, Beijing, and is back teaching here, the fourth grade, in Marion County. How high is the suicide rate there in China? Got to question that question for you. Sure. I can't really speak to like numbers. I'm not sure, but I know it's really prevalent. And um, from what I understand, from what I, I've heard from some of my Chinese friends, mental health is not an issue that they don't, they don't, there's no treatment for mental health. There's no going to a psychiatrist. If there is, I never saw it. And that is not, that's seen as a weakness, I think. This is what I'm. This is what I've gathered from different people that I've I've spoken to, the Chinese people, and it's just it's not it's not an issue. So suicide is very prevalent, and I think I think it's it's comparable to the United States. I mean, um, I don't know if it is seen as like taboo. It's just something people do. And it's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, it happens a lot. A lot of people jump off of uh, our, the tall buildings. That's what they do. They jump off of buildings or off of bridges. So we've seen that. And that's why a lot of times there, there's no balconies because we, we tried, tried and tried to find a, an apartment with a balcony because Mr. Bevan, he likes to smoke cigars and go out and relax and, and sit on the balcony. There's no balconies. If there is, I saw... Not even in, not even um, in hotels. So, oh. yeah. So they jump out of the windows. And most of the times the windows don't open. And if they open, they only open about four inches. And that's it. So you can get, you can crack them open. All of our apartments, you could just crack the window open. Because people just throw themselves out the window. Or they push people out the windows too. Because they're all high rises. You know, everything is just, you have to build up, Right. Yeah, so unfortunately, that is that is a big issue. The government. Oh. We're finally going to move around to the government. Okay. I know you want to be careful about what you say about the government, but what can you say? Hmm, let's see. Um, you don't criticize them. I'll say that for you, right? No, I, I'm not going to say anything because the Chinese people are extremely sweet. They're so nice. They're so welcoming. We were invited to a house for Chinese New Year. This this person met me at the clinic. Okay. We just got to talking. This he said, come to my house with my family. Let's have Chinese New Year. We want to show you that. So the Chinese people are very, very nice. I can tell you on the other end that, you know, I, I have to do some I have to do some research, right? I want to know it from the the real side. Everything is controlled. Everything. I am talking. Everything is controlled down to the media, which you all know, and that's not a secret. Everything is owned by the government. So if you have a business, you don't own that business. The government owns the business, but you're working there, basically. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you have to give back to the government. Um, I'd like to tell people this. Can you name, since you're a prof- okay, professor, can you name one inventor from china name one inventor give me a name of anybody you can think of i can't think of anybody in history we know that fireworks were invented there right we know that um paper was invented there so you know we have lots of inventors we have henry ford we have all these different inventors that came from europe and america and lots of places 
Because when you invent something or you create something, that is China's property. They will thank you for it. You will get money for it, but you will get no credit for it because everything you do comes back to the motherland of China. That's what, that's how it, it's, you know, encompassed, if you will. I can tell you this. I can tell you a, a short story, if you will. When our government, and I'll be careful. I mean, we can talk about our government. When our government decided and our president decided that he was going to um, side with Taiwan and Hong Kong, we, the Americans from our school, were brought in and told us by HR, just want to let you know. Now, we haven't done anything wrong. We're just Americans. And we were under the radar the whole time because I was a guest in their country. When our president decided that he was going to side with Taiwan and Hong Kong and he wanted them to be independent nations or whatever, right? There was a really good chance the police were going to arrive at our door anytime, day or night, knock on the door. There's usually two or three policemen in uniform and they give you a piece of paper and they tell you you're being deported. You have 24 hours because you're American. So you have 24 hours, throw everything you can into a bag and they're going to pick you up. They will take you to the airport. They will escort you onto the airplane and you will leave the country. That's it. No questions asked. So if you have anything in your apartment, you have to get your friends to ship it to you. So there was a good chance. So for about three weeks, three or four weeks, we were just kind of like waiting and we were just really quiet then. We're like, oh my gosh, if they, cause we have to register at the police department, wherever we're at, where, whenever we move, cause we moved once and we, when we went to Thailand, we have to register to tell them we're in the country and our visas are scanned. So they know where we are. Whenever we went to another city, if we went to um, Xi'an, when we went to Xi'an to see the terracotta soldiers, we have to register because we have to register with the hotel then they register with the police department saying we have two Americans here or two South Africans here. So they know where you are at every moment. So just, and so that was a little bit scary. Yeah. Yeah. The government controls everything. The government controls all the radio stations, all of the, um, all of the TV stations. It's all CCTV. There isn't an ABC and NBC, a, a whatever, whatever. It's all CCTV, all of it. And it's all controlled. So. Movies so are the government would have owned Gatorade. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the government, China owns that product. They created it. A Chinese person created it, so that belongs to China. Not the person, because they don't they don't believe in they I hate to say that, like individuality. They don't believe in like everything belongs to China because they're one nation. Yeah. Um, any other specific questions about the government I can answer? Well, you covered the philosophy of the government um, pretty well. As far as their interactions, which you may not know anything about, because you're kind of in your own um, bubble. Bubble. I don't (laughs) want to use that word, but in your own bubble. Um, Who are the natural enemies of China. Oh God. I didn't know anything about this till I got to China. Holy cow. They hate cap all capital letters, Japan. And if you call a Chinese person, Japanese, you're going to hear about it. 
Do not get the Japanese and the Chinese mixed up ever. There is a huge hatred between those two countries. And I didn't know why. So because, you know, here I am an American, my little American bubble, everybody, you know, we're American. And I had no idea about the massacre. I didn't know. I mean, it was bad. This is World War Two. And there was it's just always been. Yeah, it, there's been this hatred between the two of them. China thinks that Japan has stolen all of their culture. And Japan's like, no, we didn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a giant hatred between the two of them. As for other countries, um, they think we're kind of. I, I, I'm going to just use this word. They think we're kind of dumb. They think Americans are kind of fat and dumb. They don't think they're superior, especially with their intellect. Um, so they just think that, oh, the Americans are so cute. They don't hate us. Um, they think our government's a joke. They laugh about us all the time. They make memes of Biden falling all the time. They make memes of Trump. They just make fun of us constantly about how stupid we are, which, you know what? I'm like, I just sit back and like this. I don't say anything because um, it's their it's their opinion. So but their hatred is for Japan. That is that is a huge, yeah. It's really bad. <laughs> I didn't know. So as for Korea, they don't talk about Korea. They don't, yeah, no. Russia, they don't. I think they're kind of okay. They're okay with Russia. They don't. They don't. But there's a huge hatred for Japan. Other than that, I can't speak to any other countries. Everybody else seems fine. Let's go to the subject of COVID. You were there for the entire time of COVID. Oh, my God. It was awful. It was so bad, you guys. So we get there. And I'll try to make this quick. But we get there. We are having, we finally got over the, and there is a culture shock for about three months where you have to, you don't speak the language, okay? We don't speak the language. If we're lucky, some of the Chinese people where we were could speak. And we're in the capital. So more people speak English than um, if you were, say, in somewhere else, in a, in a smaller town. So a lot of people spoke English, but a lot of people don't. So we had to make sure we had those translators going on our phones. We had to navigate. So it takes about three months. We have the bank thing we have to worry about. We have to find a doctor. We have to find dentists. I mean, it took about three months at least to get settled. So um, what, did you, what was your question? I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. What well, um, the, the the whole concept of COVID and how it oh. Are you ready for this? So we're there for just a few months. And then, so January hits, right? We, we move there in July, January comes. And then suddenly people start getting sick and we're like, what the hell's going on? So we didn't know anything about COVID until we were looking at um, international news. We didn't know anything about that. We didn't know what was going on in Wuhan and Wuhan wasn't, it's well, no, Wuhan's pretty far from Beijing. So we didn't know what was going on. And so the Wuhan virus and all this stuff, and here it comes. You can actually see it. It's coming up, China, because Wuhan's south. So it's coming up to Beijing because we would get um, international news, and you could see it. it was all red dots, and you could see it coming. And I'm like, big deal. Who cares? It's a cold. I don't give a shit. I'm like, whatever, right? It starts to get serious. The whole, we're like, well, this is fun. I went online. So they put us all online. So now I'm teaching online and we're, I'm like, let's go to Thailand. Let's go to Thailand and hang out for two weeks. Right. We fly to Thailand. I take my computer 
And I'm teaching online. It's beautiful in Thailand. It's gorgeous. We're having so much fun. We're at the beach. We're having fun. And bam, everything shuts down. Right after those two weeks, the entire island of Thailand shut down. Now China shut down. Now China's like this. We're stuck. We're stuck in Thailand. And then the entire country of Thailand shuts down. Everything. There's mass exodus of people. So now people working in Thailand are all going back to their hometowns. So it's a ghost town. And we're sitting there, right? And it was it was the scariest, eerie time that I've ever seen in my life. And I'm thinking, it'll blow over. It'll blow over in a couple of weeks, right? So the beach is police taped off. There's Thai police everywhere. There's a curfew. Now, the prime minister has put a curfew on us in Thailand. You can't be outside your um, apartment or anything after 8 o'clock. 8.01, you get arrested. So if you're outside, so you have two places to go, the pharmacy and the grocery store. And you have to check in every time with an app. And you have to wear a mask. So then what was two weeks turned into seven months. We were stuck on Thai. We were stuck in Thailand for seven months. And I wasn't sure China was going to let us back in. So I was checking every day, every day, every day, because I'm thinking it's going to blow over. So now China shut down. There's nobody going in and there's nobody going out. They start shipping all the foreigners home. So that again was another time we're like, we're going to get shipped home. So do I, do I continue to work for this company or do I just find a job at home? So every day I'm looking for jobs online. I'm just looking, but here's the thing. Thailand is closed and you know, Thailand's an island. So it's almost an island and the airport's closed. Done. We can't get off the island. We're on an island in Thailand and they police taped off the only route to get on or off. So we're stuck. We're stuck there. And I, it was, it was scary and weird and yeah, it it was weird. And finally, after seven months, I get something called a PU letter. We moved from Thai, we moved from Phuket to Bangkok. So to be closer to the airport, finally it opens. This is five months in. Yeah. Five months in, moved to Bangkok. Now I'm waiting for something called a PU letter, which is an invitation from China saying, we'll let you back we'll let you back in. So they're only choosing certain people to come back to China to work with a visa. And it's so you could come back for educational. Actually, education was last. You could come back and work because you know what? You're bringing money into China. So with me, I'm an English speaker. I teach Chinese kids how to speak English. So I bring money to China. So I was one of, but Jerry was with me. So they would take me first thing, but they wouldn't take Jerry. So I said, I'm not going back to China unless Jerry comes with me. That's not going to happen. We even discussed it. And I'm like, that I, I don't want to go back to China without my husband. That's weird. You know, I just can't do that. That would be very, I couldn't do it. So we had to wait to the very end. And finally, China decided they were going to invite me back. So after seven months, we got back in October after school had already started in August and we finally got invited, but it was still, you know, and still the waves of COVID kept happening and we were shut. So let's say one person in your building, we got tested for COVID every single day. The government tests you for COVID every single day. There were booths. So we would go up to the booth, get swabbed. And then on our app, we have an app and it would pop up green if you were good to go. And if it was red, 
then either A, they're coming to get you because they know where you live and they're going to send you to the COVID hospital or B, you're going to be quarantined. And here's the, this is what we were scared of. If we tested positive, one of us tested positive for COVID, they shut your whole compound down. So then the police come. And so you have this big apartment complex, but they call them compounds. So there's 24 buildings, 10 stories high in this compound. So if one of you tests positive, they shut the whole compound down. Now you're quarantined inside. You don't leave. You don't go out of your apartment. You don't get groceries. You don't take your dog outside for a walk. Nothing. The people in the hazmat suits will deliver things to you. And you also, they also put alarms on your door. So there's a little thing that they'll pull it, put on your door. And if you open it, an alarm will go off so that, and you've broken the seal. So the hazmat people know that you broke the seal. So that was pretty scary. Thank God we did not get shut down. Our our compound got shut down one time because somebody in building 22 had COVID and we had, uh, we were in building 10. So we got shut down one time for a week, then it opened back. And I was terrified that we one of us was going to test positive and shut our compound because the people in the compound find out who you are. They know who you are. <laughs> and then that you're the cause of everybody having to be shut down, you know? One time building 22, actually building 22 and 23, it was always them. Instead of shutting the whole compound down on the third round of COVID, I think it was, they put up um, sheet metal. They built um, a barrier around the entire building 22 and they would, um, what do you call it when you uh, weld? They welded you in to your building. And yes, yes. Because we were like, oh, God, it's building 22. And then they would have guards posted at each corner of your building and just sit there 24 hours a day to make sure nobody went in, nobody came out. So they took COVID extremely seriously. Yeah. So when you did you have the shots that they give? And that's two different things. If you're a Chinese citizen, you get the shot. You get the shot if you're a Chinese citizen. Children did not get the shot. They did not. If you were under 12, I don't remember them ever, ever, ever taking the shot. Now, they would get like boosters or something, you know, I think to help boost their immunity. I think. But I don't remember children getting the shot. Adults got the shot. I think the first time they did it, but maybe the second time you could choose if your children got the shot. But adults got the shot. For us... We do not fall under, and this is what people confuse. We do not fall under Chinese government. um, uh, Ownership. Ownership. Thank you. I I, I was going to say laws, but we follow their laws. Heck yeah. You follow their laws. Uh, But we don't, we don't fall underneath that. You have to do this, you know, ownership. So we got to choose. Jerry and I did choose to get the shot because we were under the impression we were going to be deported. You're threatened with deportation all the time. So we thought we would be deported if we didn't get the shot. So we got the shot and the the school paid for it. They set everything up. We got the shot. Nothing happened to us. We were fine. And we had a couple of other friends felt a little sick after the shot, but they were really skinny people. And Jerry and I are kind of big. We're Americans, you know. Um, So they felt a little sick the next day, but that was it. There was none of this blood clutch stuff. Sorry. There was none of that. that no, nobody died from blood clots or heart things. We didn't know of anybody that did that. And we got one booster shot 
And that was it. And then they offered it again. And we said, we're done. We're not doing this again. We got one booster. We didn't get the other one. We said, we're, we're not doing this. Had we been here, Jerry and I would not have taken the shot. We don't, we don't do that. So, but yeah, it was not an option for the Chinese citizens. And right. they, they got the shot first. After all of their people got the shot, then they offered it to us. So we weren't mixed in with that. They wanted to make sure. So if they, because they did run out a couple of times. So too bad. If Even if I wanted it, too bad. All the Chinese people got the shot first. Was then, it the same shot that were given here? You know, mine began with an S. And she showed us the box. Like when we when we went in to get the the shot, she would she would take the box out of the refrigerator. She would show it to me. She would show me the um the serial number. So she would write down my name, the serial number of the shot, right? And then she would open the box right in front of me, and then give me the shot. And then she would throw it in the garbage. But it was very 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 um meticulous, if you will. And then after the shot, we had to stay at the clinic for 30 minutes until the nurse came and told us it was okay to leave. Real quickly, we just got a few minutes left. Medical care there. What is that like? Uh, so I will tell you a, a tiny story about my friend. We had private health care through the school. Public <clears throat> health care is not something you want. I saw it. I heard it. My friend had to go get an MRI because he was having, he had cancer. So he needed, he needed a CAT scan or MRI, whatever that is to search for cancer. He went to the public hospital, went down into the basement where the machine was. There was a man sitting on, on the floor with his intestines in his hand waiting. Yeah. There was another instance where one of our teacher friends, his Chinese mother-in-law broke her hip, needed to go to the hospital. She waited and laid in the bed for two weeks until her number came up. You get numbers to go into the hospital, to go see a doctor. This isn't like you go see the doctor if you have a cold. That's only for the rich people. If you have money to pay the doctor, great. If you want private, if you want public health care, you have to have a number. So there are people that you pay to sit in line starting at 1 a.m. in the morning and they give out numbers per day. And once their numbers are, are, once they've given out all the numbers for that day, you have to go into the next day. So they pay people. There's people that will sit there for you to get your numbers for you. And they'll sit there for hours. They'll even start like the day before. So yeah, public health care is not, oh, it's free, but it comes with a price. Right, right. <laughs> well, Jamie, we're out of time, believe it or not. And uh, maybe one day we'll delve into this mystery again. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. I'll send you a link for it later on. Okay. And um, hope you all have a good weekend. Thank and uh, I had a lot of comments here. So I think we covered the basics yeah. pretty well, pretty well. And I love your background with all your Chinese artifacts there. <laughs> Thank you very much and have a great weekend, you and Jerry. Thanks. Thanks a lot, everybody. Warthog Command Center out.